Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 118. Hello. How's it going? It is... 8.01 8.01 a.m. <laughs> on this fine Sunday. Gorgeous looking morning. Uh, it's a short weekend for me. A, a What the world calls a normal weekend. I try to have as few of them as possible because they fucking suck. And weekends are much better when they're at least three days long. Three is really optimum. I had a four day weekend last weekend and it was too long actually. By the fourth day I was like, I don't have anything to do. Um... A lot of that was poor planning. I actually had plenty of things I could have done. I just hadn't thought about them. And, you know, there's a chunk of things I like to get done in my weekend. And once it's done, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I've done everything I said I could do. I said I had to do, so I can relax now. But I actually get really uncomfortable when I have to relax for too long. So it was really weird. But uh, this weekend's only two days, and so just, uh, it's also a podcast weekend, so, you know, and I got my gardening, and I got to make my gardening videos, so right off the bat that, it's unclear if you're going to get all of that done in a normal weekend. But actually, I'm doing really well. I I did all the gardening yesterday, and I got the gardening video done, um, because there wasn't a lot to do in the garden. There's a lot of things I could have done, but there wasn't a lot I had to do, so... That worked out, and then I got the video done before dinner, and so now I uh, I need to do some closet reorganization today. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do that podcast first thing in the morning before Jane gets up. I get Jane out of bed at 9 a.m. She's probably already awake, honestly, but uh, she stays in bed 9 to 9, whether she's awake or asleep, and she's gotten very good at it, and she has a bunch of books in bed, and she entertains herself. Um, that doesn't look like she's actually up yet, so that's good. But, uh, yeah, hi, how's it going? We got one hour together until I get her at nine, and I think we can do it. I do think we can do it. It's been very, very hot in Chatham County. We've had two heat waves, well over 90 since I last spoke to you, each about three, four days, uh, 95, 96, 97. I don't think it hit 100, but, uh, it's been pretty intense. We had a rule that we didn't do our evening constitutional walk, which is at like five o'clock. It's so early for evening <laughs> until if it got over 95 degrees, but we actually went and did it one day this week. It was 97 and we're like, we're going to do it anyway. And, but it wasn't really that humid. So it wasn't that bad aside from Jane having a tantrum at the end of the street, which happens. And yeah, but anyway, um, Yeah, you know, and then there was previously a ton of rain, so we were having these alternating 90-degree days and then a bunch of rain, and the the garden just went crazy. It was out of control. It was awesome. My garden's killing it, mostly. There are some pretty profound failures, though. But, um, you know, it's been nice. It's been nice. Uh, The 80 days are great. There's even Last weekend, it was 70, high 70s and sunny, which was just amazing. Just amazing. And I didn't have that much to do outside. It was really kind of a bummer. I actually spent one of those days inside watching television all day, which was awesome. Um, that was the fourth day of the weekend. I had gotten everything done. <laughs> COVID seems to be peaking here. Uh, the case count in the state has gone down. The wastewater in the region has gone down. 
the hospitalizations have not gone down, but of course that's a trailing indicator. Um, the rate of case of new cases in the county has held steady, and the positivity rate in the county has and the state and county have held steady. They have not started going down yet, so we're not quite past the hump. But we're getting there. Uh, the big news, of course, being they approved the vaccine for children under five. And that is very exciting. Uh, but now we're trying to figure out our strategy of which one to get and how to get it. We kind of are leaning towards Moderna because, A, right now it's only a two-shot regimen instead of a three-shot regimen. B, the study showed a little bit more effective. Um, but, you know, it's a lot that has higher incidence of feeling bad when you take it. So that's kind of a bummer. But the big thing is that the third, the second booster, the third shot of Moderna, which is not necessary, but it's coming is, uh, targeted to the Omicron variants. So that's the only part of the children's vaccines. And I think maybe any of the vaccines so far that is tra targeted towards Omicron. So that kind of puts us in the Moderna camp, which is kind of frustrating. There are three places nearby we could potentially get the vaccine, the CVS, the Walmart, and our doctor's office. The Walmart and the CVS still aren't booking appointments at all, and the CVS only has Pfizer for kids under five. Um, complicating this is that if you're within 11 weeks of your fifth birthday, you can get the five-year-old doses, which would be August for her. So, you know, a little under two months we've gone this long maybe we just go under two months because those doses are stronger she's a big four-year-old like almost five getting the under five vaccine which is a strength suitable for even like six year six month olds seems silly when we could just wait a little while longer and get the five-year-old one so we're trying to make all those decisions um i think if moderna was available right now we would crack and get it but all we can get right now is pfizer so we're kind of waiting which I do not enjoy. I've waited so long. I knew there'd be some catch. <laughs> I knew there would be one more catch before she could actually get this vaccine. <laughs> that was pretty frustrating. Um, she's good otherwise. Jane's good. She still throws some tantrums, but I can see her trying to get better about it. We had one incident uh, at breakfast where she, out of the blue, just got mad at me because I, like, tousled my hair or something, and she was about to throw a full-blown fit. But she said, ask me if I like kitties, because that's been the thing I've been doing lately to get her out of tantrums is ask her if she likes kitties, because her allegiance to kitties is so true that even when she's angry and she wants to tell me or mommy that she doesn't love us, that she still can't deny that she loves kitties. It's so cute. <laughs> and so she'll be like yelling and screaming, and I'll be like, do you like kitties? And she'll be like, yeah but I'm not ready to hug one yet because she wants to stay mad a little bit longer, but she's talking about it. She's aware of it. She's aware that it, anger is a mood and it's passing and she needs for it to pass. It's really impressive, but that doesn't mean in any way that there are fewer tantrums and that the bad ones still aren't just horribly bad. Last week wasn't too bad, but the week before we were still having to like give her timeouts for like, now timeouts are really, you know, they're controversial in parenting and our timeouts aren't real timeouts because they're sort of um, mutually arrived at and usually involve snuggling with mommy. <laughs> and sometimes she'll go do them herself. But there are a couple times I have to do traditional old timeouts and just pick her up and set her gently down in my, like, the, the master bedroom, our bedroom, and not, like, you know, we have a first floor master. Primary, I apologize. I'm, I'm working on that one. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll, I'll bring her in there and I'll set her gently in bed and be like, okay, come back and join us when you calm down. And, uh... You know, 
I don't enjoy doing that at all. At all. Ugh, it's the worst. But it does still occasionally have to happen. But that full on old school, what, you know, parents would do back in the day, timeouts are not very, very common for us anymore. <sighs> parenting, man. Parenting. But yeah, other than that, she's good. She's been reading more. Got a bunch of new books. Uh, the neighbors gave her some books. Gave her a Dr. Seuss dictionary, which is kind of right up her alley, actually. Just reading definitions. That's that's pretty good. I should just get her a kid's dictionary, actually. That's not a bad idea. Cause he was like, I don't know if she can read these. And I was like, oh, yeah, she can read these. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, uh, they live at the end of the street. So at the end of our half-mile walk to the cul-de-sac of our, where our neighborhood is just one street. And they're a married couple, old, retired, and the wife is going through some pretty serious health issues. She can't really talk anymore. She's in a wheelchair. So they just sort of sit at the top of their driveway, and Jane really likes them. So now we get to the end of the cul-de-sac, and they're sitting up there. We walk up their driveway and talk with them for a little while. And he gives her little gifts sometimes. Gave her some cute finger puppets, too. <laughs> Those are really nice. And Jane has been taken to telling neighbors that she loves them, which is really cute. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? That's fine. You can love the neighbors. That's very Christian of you. <laughs> Literally. Um, what else? Uh, politics suck. I did watch a bunch of the January 6th committee, and it is harrowing and awful, and... I was one of those people that questioned the point of it all and didn't think anything would come of it. And boy, now I'm like Kevin McCarthy is no political genius. So he was such an idiot for not people putting people on that committee because that's what I thought it was going to be like. I thought some asshole Jim Jordan equivalent would be sitting there just asking stupid questions about aliens and QAnon and ruining the whole thing. But there aren't any and it's lovely and it's a great committee otherwise. And it's very compelling. And I also thought I knew it all because I think I'm a know it all. But I did not know it all, and it is bad. Ooh. Does anyone care? Does it make a difference? There's two more to go, at least one more in prime time, so that shouldn't matter. This week's politics beyond that have been such a giant shit show that I think people have already forgotten a week ago that we learned that the president staged a coup because this week we lost our Miranda rights and we lost our right to an abortion and we lost the separation of church and state. And every time I make this list, I forget one fundamental American right that we lost this week, thanks to the fundamentalist Supreme Court, and it's fucking insane. Uh, what am I forgetting besides, oh yeah, gun control, 100-year-old gun control law was shot down, so we've lost the ability for states to actually have any rights when it comes to regulating guns, but not abortions. Go figure. That's been really hard. I spent an entire day looking at real estate in Portugal. You can get a residency permit in Portugal if you spend 300,000 euros and buy a house in rural Portugal. Sounds pretty tempting to me. And after five years, you can get a European passport. So, you know, it seems like a good backup. You don't actually have to spend much time in Portugal, like five days a year or something like that. I could, I could spend a week in Portugal every year. There are sadly no nonstop flights from Raleigh Durham to Portugal. I really thought there was one to Porto for some reason. But, uh, you know, I was looking at the passenger capacity of RDU and the last five years before the pandemic, it was just shooting up like a rocket ship. And I, I felt it, you know, I was in that airport every week and it was getting more and more crowded and just, it was getting rougher and rougher. And then it crashed obviously to unprecedented historic lows lower than the last 30 years at the bottom of the pandemic. And it is shooting back up again, but it's only gotten up to about like 
10 year ago levels, like 2010, 2012 levels, like still lower than when I moved here. And that airport was basically empty when I moved here. So it's really confusing, right? Because it's like, I have not flown because everybody I know that has flown has had such an insanely miserable time. And it's very clear the airline industry is going through like hell. And I also am pissed about the mask mandate. And, uh, but mainly it just sounds so awful that I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it ever again. That being said, I bought a ticket to go to New York on July 14th and 15th because a friend of mine is having a book opening and I haven't seen her in three years and I miss her and she's one of my best friends and I've seen most of my best friends in finally, but not all, all the West Coast ones I haven't seen either, um, California and Seattle, which is frustrating, but I've seen the Alaskans, I've seen the Bostonians, I've seen the New Yorkers. Actually, I haven't seen Doug either because he lives in rural Western Mass. I need to go to Western Mass soon. I got a bunch of friends out there. There is a new nonstop to Hartford. No, that's the problem. It's not to Bradley. It's to New Haven, which is useless. I like driving places. I might do another road trip to New England. <laughs> I don't know. Um, where was I going with all this? <laughs> I forgot. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the airport uh, traffic is volume is still really low, you know, but flying is a nightmare uh but i did buy an airline ticket to new york we'll see how that goes i'm not really excited about it um but i really want to see her so that will be interesting um and then yeah western mass and west coast i really want to go back to alaska i'm actually leaning towards christmas now jane will be vaccinated i can bring her or not bring her emma doesn't care about christmas she has her mom here anyway We'll still have Thanksgiving together. Um, I miss the winter. You know, if I can't, the thing about Fairbanks is like a lot of my Fairbanks friends don't live in Fairbanks anymore. I mean, a lot of them do, but a lot of them don't. So the two most likely times they see them is at summer solstice, which was also my best friend in high school's birthday. He just turned 50. Happy birthday, Frank. Really bummed I missed that because I told him I'd try and make it. Uh, and then the second most likely time, and perhaps even the most likely time that anybody's in Fairbanks is at Christmas. So, you know, maybe the airline industry will have itself sorted out by then. I don't know. I don't know. There's places I want to go. I hate that airplanes suck, and I they also just suck from an environmental point of view. Uh, one thing is I've just become so much more committed to that viewpoint in the last three years as I've spent so much of this pandemic reading about environmental destruction. Uh, airplanes are very hard to defend. They're hard to defend. Leisure travel is hard to defend. I also kind of think a lot of leisure travels bullshit because like, I don't know, I did a lot of it. So it's, I'm a complete hypocrite. I've been on, I think every continent except for, oh, I haven't been to Australia. So I've been to every continent except for Australia and Antarctica. Um, and I do need to go to Australia. Crap. I'm going to go on a boat when I go to those two, I promise. Uh, anyway, um, you know, the more countries you go to, it just starts. So you're like, okay, this, this is what's different about this country. And that's what's really fascinating. And this is what's the same, but I get the, and you know, once you hit that point, it's like uh, diminishing returns to exotic travel. The only real reason to travel are, your, are the people you love. I feel like after a while and you know, yes, I mean, I think there is, it's eye opening for a while. This is a very unpopular opinion. <laughs> it's eye opening initially. And you learn a lot about the world and you learn that there's different perspectives and all that's really important, but you hit a wall with that. And after you hit that wall, it becomes increasingly indefensible from an environmental point of view I believe so yeah um, it's still not possible to get to Alaska an electric car there's no charging stations along the Alaska highway at least not close enough that you can really make it work so that's a problem um, there's a guy doing it right now in a solar-powered truck he can only go about 20 miles an hour and he has to stop for like two or three days at a time if there's like 
clouds, but he's doing it. It's pretty cool. I recommend looking that up in on YouTube. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. He drove the Fairbanks. He's going from Tierra del Fuego to uh, the North Slope, so he's going through Fairbanks. Um, yeah, where was I going with all that? Anyway, Micah home, definitely going to New York. That might be the last plane trip. Uh, I'm trying to buy new electric cars. Um, it's very hard. Ford dealers suck. They, I'm not buying a Tesla. Obviously, that guy sucks. I'm gonna buy two Fords over the next couple of years. Uh, as soon as I can, I'm gonna buy a Mach E. But I gotta find a dealer that doesn't mark them all up. And then when my place in the line happens, which is probably 2023 or 2024, I will get the F-150 Lightning. <sighs> yeah, man, it's been hard. The politics shit is hard. Row falling was hard, even though I knew it was going to happen. Uh, it was nice that night. Emma and I didn't watch any TV. We watch TV most nights because my wife works in television. Only an hour a day, maybe two, but it's it's more than I would like. Um, but anyway, that night we were just like, no, we just drank some wine and talked. And it was like the old days when Emma and I first started like sort of falling for each other. It was like a lot of every couple nights a week we would go to this bar in Boston called Noir and we would get a bottle of champagne and we would sit there and this bar was a hotel bar and it was open till 2 a.m. and it was the only bar in Cambridge not the only one I think there's a second one but it's the only one of the only bars in Cambridge the only bar in Harvard Square that was open till 2 a.m. and so all the other bars at 1 a.m. would get out so Charlie's Kitchen, Grendel's Den, Shays, you know all the bars nearby would get out at 1 a.m. and all the people that and the service workers that worked at those bars would come to Noir for a nightcap. So we'd get there early. We wouldn't go to the other bars. We'd get there alone. We'd get a table. There's only like 10 tables there. And we'd get a bottle of champagne. And we'd just sit and shoot the shit. And then at 12.15, the place would become a rockin' fun place for about 45 minutes. We'd see some friends, and it was really fun. And then that we'd call it a night. And I really missed just the hours we spent just sitting at a table with a bottle of wine talking. The problem is, of course, is that we don't drink much anymore. We still talk a lot, but not in the evenings, not with wine. And, and I like talking with wine. It's like a different sort of thing. So that was really nice. Um, and I really needed it because it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. I'm thinking about reading the opinion, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway, we got to move on with this. I only got an hour. I got to get Jane at nine. Um, gardening is going well. Uh, there's a lot of successes. The cucumbers are just astonishingly huge. Uh, the patch is going gangbusters. I'm pulling out like grocery store size large cucumbers every three or four days. I gave one to Janet. It's out of control. It's amazing. The, the lettuce is fantastic. It's only half a birdie's bed, but it's giving me enough lettuce to eat in my salads and Janet's pulling from it. I pulled out an amazing batch of radishes three weeks ago. I'm still working through them in the kitchen. They're just fantastic. Replanted the radishes, so I should have some more in like a week or two. The tomatoes are out of control. I mean, they're by far the most successful tomatoes I've ever done. Everything really is stars aligned after all the learnings I've had over the last three or four years. I'm, you know, single vine on a trellis. They're screened in from the, the pests in the, in the screened in hoop house. They're in the ground and not in containers. They're just out of control. It's out of control. There's easily 100 tomatoes on the vines right now. Um, but there've been some failures. I can't grow fennel to save my life. Somebody's eating all the sunflowers and those obviously can't go in the hoop house. So that's a problem. Um, I have a pest Japanese beetles on my grape plants and the deer ate half of my grape plants. I'm trying to salvage these grape plants that are basically vines with no leaves at this point. I moved them. I sprayed them with BT oil. I potted them up, trellised them on the porch instead of out in the, where the deer could get them. I'm hoping the deer won't come over here. I'm hoping the BT 
uh, I wasn't beat. I'm sorry, it's neem oil. Hoping the neem oil keeps Japanese beetles away. It's a giant nightmare. I'm not excited about it. <laughs> but hopefully I can save them. I have a couple other grapes in the hoop house. They're doing okay. Also infested by Japanese beetles, though. So I sprayed those, too. I think I got rid of the beetles. We'll see. I'm going to go out and spray again today. And I have to water them manually now because they're not on the irrigation, which is a whole thing. i got to figure out how to get irrigation to them. But, like, the only way to do it without running table... Uh, tubing on the concrete is to go up eight feet and follow the posts of the porch and i'm not sure the water pressure will do that so i gotta run tests a whole thing that's next weekend and i don't even know if it's worth it until i know if i'm saving these uh whatever you call them <laughs> great plants uh the carrots are going well they're gonna they're gonna be harvested next week i pulled a couple test ones their baby carrots are delicious but i think they need another week or two and the corn i'm growing corn and it's going really well there's like years of corn growing in my garden that's amazing i never in a thousand years thought that would work that's just fantastic the peppers are mediocre this year not as good as last year but i think they'll be serviceable i think they'll be serviceable let's move to the media report uh, not selling any DVDs on eBay. Um, tried to find The Northman in 4K at Walmart. Uh, it sold out because I was gone, so I'm looking for that. Um, let's see. I did. I ripped Victoria and Abdul in HD and Another Round in HD and The Lego Movie Second Part in HD. All three of those came from Netflix. Uh, I did buy The Batman in 4K, and I posted that. Um, I will sell that on eBay one of these days, but I've been really lazy. I got that, Maybe that's something I could do today. Definitely something I should have done last week. I got like 10 of these 4K Blu-rays piling up that I need to sell and get my PayPal bank balance back up. Uh, and then from the Hal Hartley collection last week, I forgot to mention that I also re-ripped and put up a better HD copy of Meanwhile, his last film, which is pretty good. Actually, second to last film. I think there's been one since then. Uh, on Discogs. I didn't do the Discogs. One moment, please. All right, well, it looks like I only sold two things on Discogs in the last two weeks. Kind of sad, but it took me a while to get the store turned back on after the trip. Uh, I sold Walter Hoos's Merwork. Walter Hoos is a classical musician on the Factory Classical label. This is an original factory pressing of the CD, one of the very few in America, because it was not distributed in America, and I had it shipped from Europe, and then I sold it for like 50 bucks, so that was pretty good. And I sold Bee Gees' first record, Bee Gees first. <laughs> Which is a great record, but I don't care about owning BG, any CDs. CDs, be gone. CDs, you're out of my life. Uh, I still have like, uh, I don't know, a thousand to sell. <laughs> it's going very slowly these days. Maybe I'll lower all the prices again. That's not a bad idea. Uh, we did go to one show. We went to see Garbage and Tears for Fears in Charlotte at the PNC Arena, and it was awesome. Both bands were awesome. Tears for Fears were awesome. I've been writing extensively about this in the daily email. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Um... Tears for Fears are so, so good, and they are so insanely popular. I did not have... I knew they were popular back in the day, obviously. Shout, everybody wants to rule the world. But my God, they are still so popular. There are teenagers around us that knew all the words to songs like Break It Down Again off the fake Tears for Fears album that only had Roland Orzabal and not Kurt on it called Elemental. Um, I wrote about that, and it turns out a ton of my younger friends are really into Break It Down Again. <laughs> I saw that tour, and I barely know that song. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. I saw the Roland and the Kings of Spain tour, and I saw the Everybody Loves a Happy Ending tour when they got back together. So this is the third time I've seen Tears for Fears. Uh, and it was by far the biggest time. The uh, Roland and the Kings and Happy Ending were at the, uh, the building in Boston on Lansdowne Street that has been variously named Metro City Avalon and House of Blues through the years. Uh, I think it was Avalon when I saw them on the Roland tour, and I think it was House of Blues when I saw them on the Happy Ending tour. But uh, this was at outdoors in an arena, not an arena, amphitheater. 
And it was so good. It was so good. I mean, just fantastic. And, you know, it was outdoors. And my brought her CO2 monitor. It was throughout the entire show. The CO2 levels were lower than they were in our house, which, you know, is a little bit of a fake thing because in our house, it doesn't matter because it's only our carbon dioxide that produced by the three of us. So it's not as, I mean, obviously you got to keep it low. We're still in the green in the house. It's only like 800. Emma's become very obsessed with CO2 monitoring as a proxy for ventilation in places with people. And it has been great. I mean, I don't know. We haven't caught COVID. <laughs> we relied heavily on that CO2 monitor when we were in Boston. So that was good. Uh, anyway, great show. Great show. Tears for Fears. More popular than Depeche Mode on the streaming services, to give you an idea. Those people need to be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Also, don't sound like anyone else, which is a rarity in rock music. Vinyl. I'm very sniffly today. I apologize. Emma was yesterday, but it seems to be mostly allergies. We are once again testing, even though we've been nowhere. <laughs> I'll take another one this morning. Uh, let's see. In addition to the Fevers and Mirrors Companion by Bright Eyes that I mentioned last week, arriving a few days later was the other one lighting off the Happiness com Companion. Uh, I ordered both those companion volumes. I used to be a giant Bright Eyes fan back in those days. I had seen him solo. Connor Oberst solo acoustic at the Brattle Theater, not the Brattle Theater, the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline back then when he was like, God, maybe 20 years old. And it was just so good. Him solo acoustic back then was phenomenal. It was one of the best shows I ever saw. Never loved Bright Eyes with the giant band. And the band kept getting bigger and bigger. So I sort of stopped going at some point. But I still buy all the records. But those two albums, Lighting Off the Happiness and Fevers and Mirrors, I just love so much. So, of course, I'm going to buy these companion records. And they're great. Uh, I got the Blank Mass Ted K soundtrack, soundtrack to the movie about Ted Kaczynski by Blank Mass. Uh, it's awesome. It's a soundtrack. Uh, Wax Tracks Records, the new version of Wax Tracks run by their daughter, the founder's daughter, is really coming together. Uh, for a while, it was kind of a hodgepodge operation, and I was a little dubious they were going to pull it off. And it was unclear to me the rights that Wax Tracks retained of the albums by the bands that they put out. But they seem to own the rights to these albums still, because no, no Wax Tracks band has released, maybe Ministry did, but by and large, most Wax Tracks bands have not re-released their Wax Tracks albums on non-Wax Tracks labels. So Wax Tracks itself, which has been resurrected, is now slowly re-releasing the hits. And they re-released uh, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult's Sexplosion. Just came out last week on vinyl 2022 extended version with like some remixes and a kind of a cool 40 minute sort of like on you sound system style dub mix of the entire album into one track, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and I really loved that album back in the day. It was really good and it's still really good. And it's like a sleazy disco and there's not a lot like it, especially in the 90s. You know, it's closest brethren would be like the sort of sleaziest coke disco music of the 70s like studio 54 stuff but you know you don't get a lot of bands like that anymore and it's great i really love it um i got the new sun signature 12 inch it was a record store day release but it was amply pressed and cheap and uh sun signature is the new band with elizabeth frazier from the cocteau twins along with her husband who used to be in spiritualized so i haven't actually listened to that yet just arrived yesterday as well as a couple of reissues that I've been meaning to get. Jane's Addiction's Ritual de la Habitual. I did not ever own a vinyl copy of that. And about seven months ago, I was like, oh my God, this album's really good. I was always too mean to it. And so that came. And so did uh, the Flaming Lips Telepathic Surgery, which is the only Flaming Lips album I did not own on vinyl. They did a cheap reissue of that. So I got that. Uh, 
Got some cheap old pressings of some stuff. James's Gold Mother. I've decided I need all the James albums I don't have on vinyl, which is not many. A lot of them in the sort of post-delayed days have not been pressed on vinyl. So, And then they started pressing them on vinyl. I got about four albums back, and I have all those. And I had all the factory stuff already, and I had laid. So there's like three I didn't have. Um, and uh, Gold Mother was one of them, and I re-listened to it, and it's a great record. James is a great band. Every time I'm listening to James, I'm like, this band is amazing. And then I forget about them again for years at a time. But like, they're so good. They're so good. They're still good. If you haven't listened to one of the last few James albums, just pick a one at random on Spotify and you're going to be like, my God, this is a good band. They are a good band. Uh, and then Willard Grant Conspiracy, which is, um, oh my God, they were so good. They were a Boston band. It was a guy run by this guy. I think his name was Robert Foster. I didn't know him, but I had seen Willard Grant Conspiracy, <laughs> God, at least a dozen times. They're sort of a ensemble centered around him with different musicians coming and going and a lot of Boston musicians from other bands, but other people as well. And then they got, you know, they got big in Europe. They, they sort of transcended Boston kind of like morphine, but not quite as big. Uh, he's passed away. He passed away since I lived here. So in the last five years, and it's really sad. And a couple of the albums, my favorite one, it's called Mojave has not been reissued on vinyl. I love that record so much. And those live shows were so good. Um, and I was hoping this is when he passed away, which I was very sad about, I was hoping that whoever controlled his estate would at least arrange for getting vinyl reissues of these records, but it's not happening. So I found a copy used. Uh, I think I have them all that have been pressed on vinyl now, which is about half of their records. And I got everything's fine on vinyl, which I also really loved. And, um, yeah, I just love the Willard Grant conspiracy so much. They are, some of their records are on Spotify, but not even all their records are on Spotify. Somebody needs to take care of the Willard Grant Conspiracy's artistic output. I mean, maybe I'll look into that. I got a job. I can't do that. Add it to the list of things I do if I ever sell this company and I can work on my record label again. Uh, and then Kala, same thing. Uh, well, Kala has like five albums. They are all on vinyl. Kala is a sort of New York by way of Denton, Texas, moody, atmospheric rock band. I used to sort of know the drummer, Wayne Magruder, back in the days when he was in Bowery Electric, and Bowery Electric went on tour with Cindy Talk in the mid-90s, and then uh, Wayne and I got to be kind of friends for a while. I haven't been in touch with him for years, but I still love Kala, and uh, this is the last one I did not have on vinyl. It's called Televise, and it's great. I think I've talked about Kala before. Uh, and then I got the first two ride EPs, Play and Ride. Those are not cheap, I'm not going to lie, but I didn't own them and it bothered me. I used to have them and I sold them and it was stupid back when I was poor in the early 90s. And so it was like a little treat to myself to own them again. I own too many records, man. I got to do something about this. It's a real problem. And then uh, a newer band called Vox Low, who I really love. My friend Nikki Digital got me into them, and uh, it's like two years ago, and I added it to my want list, and it's easily available and obtainable. It's a cheap, cheap album, uh, but you know, it was always going to be something I bought when I was buying something else. So when I bought the Kala and the Willard Grand Conspiracy, that seller had a copy of the Vox Low self-titled album, and so I picked that up. It's so good. It's so good. It's just like cool droney dance music, minimalist, and uh, I love it. So those are all the CD or vinyl I have obtained in the last two weeks. Less than one a day. I guess that's an accomplishment. Uh, and then are all the other stuff I listened to. Uh, when I did the last podcast two weeks ago, I forgot to mention three things that I had listened to for some reason. I listened to the new Wilco album, Cruel Country, which I thought I was going to hate because I didn't like the last three Wilco albums uh, because I'm a moody guy who likes Wilco in the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot era when uh, Jeff Tweedy was 
a druggie and a drunk and he has said himself that people don't like his music as much when he got happy but you know what i think i've just caught up to Je jeff and i'm happier now too and i love cruel country i think it's a great record <laughs> which makes me want to go back and listen to all the albums between sky blue sky and star wars because i didn't really like any of them <laughs> But this one's great, so I really like it. Uh, I listened to a band called Weird Nightmare, and I guess I don't even know why I'm telling you, because I don't remember it other than I liked it. And then my friends in Freeze Pop put out an EP uh, called Rare Bird. It's like uh, two new songs and a bunch of remixes, and it is on my record label, the Arch Enemy Record Company, which I own with Freeze Pop. So they took care of all that. All I did was put the catalog number in our catalog number database. <laughs> but it's great. If you like synth dancing music, they're still at it. They played last night in Boston. I really wanted to go. I'm sad about it. I hope it went well. I, uh, that's a bummer, man. I haven't seen Freeze Pop in a long time. I used to see him all the time. Uh, and then Julie Cruz passed away, of course, which was really, really sad. And I listened to the Julie Cruz albums I did not had not previously listened to, which was her album with DJ Dimitri called My Secret Life, which is awesome. It's completely different than other Julie Cruz records. It's definitely more like dubby, mellow electronica. I would go on my W Hotel and a better uh, W Hotel lobby and a better alternate universe playlists. I really liked it. And then she has another solo album called The Art of Being a Girl, which I did actually had listened to once back in the day, but I listened to it again. I love that record. It's a really good record. So RIP Julie Cruz, that is really, really sad. So much stuff has been happening in the world so fast. So many bad things that you feel like you don't get enough time to process each one of them. And, uh, you know, it's going to keep happening with our rock idols as well as they all age out, which just sucks. Uh, Sacred Bones Records put out a compilation called Tudu Muere SBX5V. So it's a 15th anniversary compilation of bands on Sacred Bones doing covers. And it's really great. I really liked it. Strong recommend. Shearwater has a new album called The Great Awakening, which is moody and mellow. And I really love Shearwater. And it's really weird because I used to see them a lot. And I don't remember them being this good. This album got middling reviews on Pitchfork. But I'm with you, Shearwater. I like where you're going with it. I am. These are better than your old albums. Solid, solid, moody, atmospheric rock. Very into it. Andrew Bird has a new album. I listened to it four times, and I was like, every time I listened to it, I was like, this is good. But no song really caught me. Uh, it's called Inside Problems. And I'm going to listen to it some more, because I do love Andrew Bird. I used to see him live all the time, too. And, uh, yeah, it was. It had, it had some potential. I think I just need to spend a little bit more time with it. Trementina, Almost Reached the Sun, Shoegaze Band, uh great solid late period shoegaze but nothing special but solid uh and then another one called deaf cult auras another uh another new modern shoegaze band i liked that one better of the two uh very solid deaf cult i will be keeping an eye on them some more there's a band called florist i don't know where i found out about them but i love them mellow mellow uh, acoustic with a female singer um keith Urim. if you're out there listening you would love it and maybe I heard, maybe I learned about it from Keith, actually. Anyway, the EP is called Sci-Fi Silence, and uh, strong recommend there. Listen to the new Bartice Strange album out on 4AD. It is called Farm to Table, and it is awesome. Bartice Strange is so talented, and I love his records, and they are very, very clever, and he really knows his shit. I think he's got a tiny desk. Maybe it was KEXP. I can't remember. One of the YouTube live things I watched, not for this album yet, but like the last album, a year or two ago, he did uh, one of those things, and it was so good. His band is awesome. He's awesome. Uh, Yaya Bay. 
Uh, remember the, your North Star. I picked this one up off Spotify. It's really smooth. It's kind of cool. It's a little like dubby smooth. I put a couple songs on my smooth soundtracks. R&B, mellow R&B, a little bit of rap, but not much. Uh, Perfume Genius has a new album called Ugly Season that is just fantastic. It is experimental and it's quiet. It is a little droney. It is atonal. I really loved the new Perfume Genius. Also, props to that guy for... He did one of those festivals. It wasn't Meltdown in London. It was the one in Copenhagen, I think. And he brought Mary Margaret O'Hara over from Canada for it, for one of her one of her performances. And those versions from his festival are out on YouTube, and they're so good. Uh, anyway, that Perfume Genius is awesome. He's also hilarious on Twitter. Uh, Hercules and Love Affair finally put out that album. I've been really, really into all the advanced singles. It's called In Amber. It is very mellow and is also atonal and atmospheric and shares a lot in common with the Hercules or with the Perfume Genius album, except it's got like four tracks with uh, a no heat on it. And it is awesome. I'm very, very into the new Hercules and Love Affair. Nina Cherry has a new album out called The Versions, which are versions of her old songs done between as collaborations between her and other people. There's a version of Buffalo Stance on there with Robin that should have been the highlight of the album, but it is in fact the one clunker on the album. The rest of the album, however, is awesome. Strong recommend for the Nina Cherry one. The Sia one is really, really good. 700 Bliss, nothing to declare. I don't remember it at all, but I'm pretty sure I liked it. <laughs> what was that record? I don't remember it. I should have made a note. Sometimes I make little notes on the list and I didn't do it there. Uh, ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow of Portishead did the soundtrack to Men, the new film by What's-His-Name. <laughs> I want to say Andrew Garfield, but that's not right. <laughs> Alex Garland, that's what it is. The guy that did Ex Machina and whatnot. And he, they did the soundtrack to this new one called Men, and the soundtrack is awesome. Uh, I got really obsessed with a story in Julian Cope's second autobiography about the band Magma and how the original incarnation of the band in the 70s imploded because the main guy in the band bought a castle in Spain. So the other main guy in the band got upset with him and bought an adjoining castle and they waged psychic warfare against each other while using dark magic while their manager went back and forth between the castles. And at one point, one of the members was lying on his ground on the ground with his chest wound open, screaming in pain, saying that the other band member had attacked him with dark magic. And I just loved that story so much. And I had listened to Magma back in the day, but I didn't really... So I couldn't remember the name of the band. I couldn't remember it, which Julian Cope autobiography it was in. It's in Repossessed. So I asked Og Stone, who texted me back within minutes with both of those bits of information, because <laughs> his memory is much better, and we were both obsessed with the Julian Cope autobiographies. And uh, so I listened to Magma's sort of legendary main album of their main incarnation. They're still around, apparently. I would love to go see whatever version of Magma exists now. But anyway, it's called Mechanic Destructo Commando, and it's awesome. It's just so over-the-top and absurd. It's got like a choir of Valkyries and a made-up language. If anything, it is the precursor to Sigurros. Everybody talks about them being prog rock and or kraut rock, but I think they're just, uh, they're, they're, they're their own thing. The precursor, precursor to Sigurros. That's how I view them. Uh, then I listened to Pigs, 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 aka Pig 7X, uh, a English sort of rock bordering on metal band that I just loved their name so much I had to check them out. I listened to their last album, which is from like four years ago. It's called King of Cowards, and it's a great time. It's exactly the kind of music that a band called Pigs, 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 Pigs should make. So that made me happy. 
Uh, I listened to the new stars. It's called from Capleton Hill. I only listened to it twice. I noticed there are a couple pure pop gems on there though. And I was like, I need to give this more time. That was just yesterday. So, uh, and I listened to the new Muna, M-U-N-A, Brooklyn-based band of uh, women. They are gay, and they are very popular in the lesbian community, apparently. I didn't know any of this. Um, I guess I could kind of figure it out from some of their songs. Like, I Know a Place, which is one of their big hits. They have a big hit on this album called Pink Chiffon, and the album is great. It just came out this week. Uh, but I've been listening to the singles leading up to it. And, um, you know, it's like dancey. It's poppy. It's, it's serious. It's dark. It's good. It's good. Muna is really, really good. Okay, 18 minutes. I'm going to make it TV. We finished Kids in the Hall. It was fantastic. I'm so glad they're back. I hope they do another season. It was the best. Uh, we finished Obi-Wan Kenobi, which was fine. It was very well done. It was very constrained in what it could do, obviously, because we know how everything turns out. Um, there were some clever aspects. There are some predictable aspects. There are some cliched aspects. There are some brilliant aspects. Really, I'm just happy to see Ewan McGregor and uh, Hayden Christensen in those roles again, giving them a chance to act. <laughs> and uh, they definitely got that. I have come around to believe that Disney should just go ahead and remake the prequels, probably as a TV series, incorporating live action elements of the Clone Wars. And, you know, calling it like the prequels from a different point of view or something like that, making it a TV series cast those two in it and uh, a lot of people would complain it's probably too soon they probably shouldn't do it for another few years but they should do it while those two can be in the roles they should probably just skip the Jake Lloyd part entirely there's nothing in the first movie that needs to exist maybe a couple flashbacks right but uh, I think that would be awesome because it's weird like New Trek is New Trek New Star Wars is getting banged up by the fans while the fans simultaneously talk about how the prequels were underrated and start defending the prequels and well I mean they're wrong right the prequels are bad the prequels have a lot of good stuff in them the plot could be really good the, the politics stuff was actually a harbinger for TV like uh, House of Cards and Game of Thrones um, it got a lot of unjustified beef for the politics back in the day and people are responding to that and defending it but they're still really bad conversely the new ones are okay but the plot is terrible of the ninth movie and it just ruins everything um so you know those opinions will change and evolve over time again i believe but i do think there will be a time where remaking the prequels would be definitively in disney's interest in making them good because people will hear good things and then they'll watch and be like well i heard good things but that's a fucking terrible movie Maybe they'll start just chalking it up to age and kitsch, like the Wizard of Oz effects, right? But I don't think so, because the acting is so wooden, even though they're good. It's the dialogue. It's the dialogue. But um, And the cinematography is really bad, and the blocking, because it's constrained by its SFX. Ugh, Jesus. Anyway, I think they should remake them. I need to move on, because I don't have a lot of time, and I'm boring you. Uh, we watched... The we are watching Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is the prequel to the original Star Trek on the Enterprise with Spock and Captain Pike, the captain before Captain Kirk. And it is on Paramount Plus and it is really good. It is exactly original Trek remade without the sexism, but still kind of fun. And uh, it's still episode of the week. And I really like it. It's substantially better than Discovery ever was <laughs> with all its faux serious and seriousness and monologuing discovery has a lot of good about it but they just make it bad even though they have plenty of good to work with it's very frustrating and it's just nice to watch something sort of like episodic of the week speaking of which the orville is back here's the irony is 
for the first two seasons of the Orville, the Orville was exactly what Trek should be now, and it was way better than any Trek. The third season took a big shift in tone simultaneous to the release of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which fixed a lot of problems with Trek. So right now, at this moment, one would think the Orville would be better than Strange New Worlds, but it is in fact not the case, and Trek has taken the mantle of the good Trek again. So that is nice. Uh, what else? Oh, we're watching Miss Marvel, which is really good, actually. I mean, it's not for me. It's probably a teen show, but it's interesting enough. And uh, it just, you, it's got a sense of joy to it that really, like, infects you. And that is really nice. It's much needed in this day and age. Uh, watched a bunch of the January 6th committee hearings, which is really depressing. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, I guess we'll talk about it in two weeks because they'll be done and I'll still be watching. We watched Stranger Things, which uh, I was compelled and interested in, but did not enjoy how it basically confused the actual 80s with 80s films, and I don't know which one it is an homage or a spoof of, and it really bothers me. Um, the jocks are so... I mean, it's not over. Whatever. We'll talk about this when the last two episodes have aired, because I have a lot of feelings, and it is slowly redeeming itself, but I still have a serious beef with the bullies in the show with the way that like the eighties cliches are portrayed as how the eighties actually were like the, the insane asylum. I'm like, yeah, that's not how they actually, they weren't actually all in haunted houses, you know? <laughs> but they were in the movies. So cool. If you're making a horror film, cool. But why aren't you actually scaring me? It's not actually scary. Other than they did manage once in the last episode to scare me. So maybe they're going for it. I don't know. We're going to wait till the end reserving judgment. Uh, and then I'm watching The Boys. Six episodes have aired. It is so dark. It is so violent, but it is also probably the most, prescient accurate and biting social commentary political commentary out there right now which is really depressing and scary <laughs> at least it's funny at least it's funny on top of it all that does help it's not as funny as the last two seasons the thing about dark humor is it can't be sustained for years and years and years <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, movies. I watched Moonfall because my friend Richard in Boston told me it was the stupidest, most gloriously dumb movie he'd seen in ages, and he was totally right. It was so unrealistic and so dumb and so over the top that it became enjoyable, and I loved it because it's just so absurd. You know, like, I get annoyed when things aren't realistic, like using cell phones in the wilderness, but this movie takes things to such, even like that one little thing, to such glorious heights that it just, you, you can't do anything but laugh. It is parodying, not parodying, it is homaging, but badly so parody, five or six different genres of sci-fi at once. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And then uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness came on to Disney Plus, finally, because I wasn't going to pay for it and I wasn't going to go to the theater. I thought it was going to be really bad because I just didn't hear a lot about it. And it wasn't terrible. It was profoundly less good than everything everywhere all at once. But it was fine. It was better than I thought it was going to be. It kept me surprised. I managed to avoid the spoilers. It was okay. It was all right. Uh, I like Sam Raimi. I like his sense of horror. It's basically a horror film. And it, it, it works. Mostly. Uh, books. I finished the Vaclav Smeal, How the World Really Works, A Scientist's Guide to Our Past, Present, and Future. I did not enjoy it. I loved the first four chapters where he told me how the world really worked. I hated the last two chapters, which were hypocritical and telling me the 
his interpretation of that and how the world was going to go while simultaneously insisting he didn't make predictions, relying on models to play in evidence while insisting he didn't believe in models. It was intellectually sloppy and it was bad. I'm sorry. It was just bad. The last two chapters were bad, but the first four were revelatory. Strong recommend. If you're curious about the way the world works, if you don't have any idea why ammonia is important, read this book. It's quick. The first four. Just stop after chapter four. Uh, and then I read the Emily Ratajkowski, 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 I think is how you pronounce her last name. Her autobiography comprising of a series of essays of which I'd already read two or three. It's called My Body. It was actually very compelling. I did not find her likable, but I found her intelligent and I found it interesting. So that's cool. Um, and then I am reading now Freedom's Laboratory, The Cold War Struggle for the Soul of Science by Audra J. Wolfe. This book has a very interesting premise that the very concept of scientific freedom was an American construct as part of its propaganda campaign in the Cold War. I have only read the intro, so I have learned the premise of the book without any of the supporting evidence. So we will return to this in two weeks. We got our podcast done by 8.51 a.m. I'm going to get so much done today. Closet reorganization. Woo! Thank you for listening. Uh, drop a line. Let me know how you're doing. And I will talk to you guys in two weeks. Take care.